Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bear Roots. Today's episode is a little different, and you're probably wondering how does Lyme disease correlate to conspiracy theories? And I need you guys to just bear with us because we do have an interesting episode talking about how ticks might have, well, I guess specifically ticks with Lyme disease might have been involved with bio warfare, allegedly question mark, question mark. So today we're going to talk about that. Is that true? Is that not true? What people are talking about in regards to this whole topic. And we also just found out that May is actually Lyme Disease Awareness Month. So we really are taking the opportunity to discuss the disease and the conspiracy behind it. (laughs) Hi, Shan. How are you doing today? Good. Yeah. So a couple inspirations for this podcast. One, we learned that May is Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's let's bring attention, use our platform for good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really bring awareness to Lyme disease. Also, on that same thread, I had to take a little safety course for my job about Lyme disease this month. Mm, Did you? Yeah, and I got super itchy all over after watching it because it was just like, you know, a lot of imagery of ticks and it's just not the greatest thing to look right right Mm -hmm. and I have found this spring so we're recording this in May I found this spring two ticks crawling on me oh no no after not being outside for long at all did you have bug spray on no I didn't but I literally one of the times was just walking in from my car getting a puppy like jump on me and I was like, oh, puppy. And then I walked upstairs and there was a tick on my neck <gasps> crawling around. Oh, that just makes me so, you know, the heebie Genuinely 30 seconds worth of time of puppy touching. And then there was a tick on me. And then the second time I was outside for no more than 20 minutes and a tick on me. Oh, my gosh. So it's like I'm hyper aware and hyper vigilant and very scared. So that's kind of where (laughs) this episode is coming from. Totally. I know. I'm trying to think of any tick stories that I've experienced and one is sticking out. I remember when I was, I don't know, probably like eight or nine and we had Girl Scouts meeting, right? And Mm -hmm. it was the fall time. And I had previously had a tick and I didn't like the experience. The experience (laughs) of taking the tweezers out and like needing to pull it off my neck was just really traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And I knew ticks lived in leaves. That's like a common area. And when Mm -hmm. you're raking the leaves, put it in a pile. And you think it's really cute and like cinematic when kids are jumping in a pile of leaves. Like, oh my God, that's so fun. That's so innocent. So cute. And I looked at all my... Girl Scout mates. I was going to say, like, what What are they? I don't know. My members, my friends, <laughs> my, and peers. They were, my peers, and they were all jumping in this pile. And it was like, at the end of the day, I'm waiting for my mom to come pick me up. And I just told myself, I was like, no, Lena, do not go in there. Because there are <laughs> like, I told myself I was not going to do it. 
So I'm looking at them and now I'm getting FOMO, right? Yeah, like right. I am this loser that's watching them have fun. Aww. And like my mom will probably be here any minute. What is, I don't know, a minute to your point, like what you've been experiencing, like jumping in the pile maybe like once or twice, right? Just like let me feel alive. Let me feel like a kid. Mm. I do that. I and then my mom picks me up and then I'm sitting there in our we get to the house. I feel the <gasps> tag form on my head. <gasps> and I at that point, that is a lesson I learned, and that was called intuition. And I, <laughs> I need to trust my intuition. What is the saying? No good deed comes unpunished. It really wasn't a deed. I didn't really un, you know, but what I'm trying to say is I knew not to jump into that your gut. Pile, my you gut trust told your gut. me. I yeah. didn't trust it. Instead, I saw other people having fun and I thought I could get away with it too. But no, instead I got a blood sucking creature on my head. Well, thank God you felt it because in the hair, once it gets in the hair, it's kind of hard to find. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was itchy and I could feel the, you know, you feel the tag, you know, when it's done, I was like, <gasps> I was so disappointed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> it's like a second on the lips is forever on the hips. <laughs> it's like, you're, you, <laughs> you thought, I thought, you know, you were like, I just need to go in for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sucker literally got me. Wow. It knew. Yeah. So nothing to be uh, messing around with. No. Yeah. Let's dive in. So let's talk about ticks, right? Right. I feel like for most of our listeners, if not all, know what ticks are, but maybe you're in an area that you don't experience ticks. So let's just go over the basics of what they are and what is Lyme disease. So what are ticks, right? They're these small blood sucking bugs, essentially. They're very small. They can be as small as a pin's head to as large as a pencil eraser. So that is not big by any means. And fun fact, they are related to spiders, which I actually did not know about. <laughs> oh yeah, I know you're allergic to them. Mm-hmm. So essentially how they work, they're a parasite. They're, they're no good. They have no use. And that's just like all I say. It's the same thing about mosquitoes. Essentially, they take in your blood and that's how they start to grow. So unlike most other bugs that bite you, they typically remain attached to your body after they bite you. And you'll know, you know, if you can find it, they'll have a little tag and they kind of form this weird, I don't even know, shell. Yeah, that sack. So, and usually it stays on for 10 days and detaches, like if you do not find it. So that's a long time for it to be just chilling on your body. They're super common in the U.S. and they can live in the grass, the trees, shrubs, and leaf piles. If you didn't, <laughs> my story. Uh, yeah, I think that it's definitely. Well, I guess ticks in general. Yeah, Lyme disease seems to be more prevalent in New England, mm-hmm. and then it does it does sprinkle around the country. But I'm pretty sure I read that the only state that doesn't have Lyme disease is Hawaii. So good on you, Hawaii. Keep oh, them out. That's- that's the life. So of course, what are they attracted to? People and animals. Dogs are a huge yep. attraction for these ticks. It's horrible. And I mean, there are different types and we won't really dive too much into it, but there's even like the nickname dog tick because I mean, it's 
less lethal, if you want to say that way. <laughs> Lactics don't carry Lyme disease. Exactly. But um, even though some don't, the dog ticks, others can pass on diseases. And this can include Lyme disease, as we're going to talk about today, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, the Colorado tick fever, and others. Yeah. Um, And I like to preface what I previously said uh, that dog ticks don't carry Lyme. That's a specific tick, but deer ticks certainly do go on dogs and certainly can give them Lyme. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a a Venn diagram. Of like what is and what's not safe. Yeah. So, um, you know, we thought we would explain for those who don't know how to treat it. You really want to remove it with like tweezers. And another key thing is you really want to make sure that you remove the whole body, including the head. And that's probably the most important part. And then with the tick itself, you want to submerge it in like rubbing alcohol or flush it down the toilet. Make sure that thing is dead. Yeah. Not that you necessarily want to squish these guys because they're filled with blood and like it's not the best, but they're also super hard to squish. Like their bodies are hard. So you can't really like just kill them with your fingers. Mm-hmm. You got to take more drastic means. Exactly. Uh, alrighty. So <laughs> Who's itchy? <laughs> Who's itchy? <laughs> Let's talk about Lyme disease, right? So now that we know what ticks are, how do these things carry it, right? So Lyme disease is an infectious disease caused by the bacteria, and bear with me, people, it's called Borrelia burgdorferi. And this bacteria is transmitted to humans by a bite from an infected black-legged or deer tick. And the tick becomes infected after feeding on an infected deer, birds, or mice. So it's kind of like a chain of events, if you will. Yeah. So So they they mate on the deer and then they have the disease and then they just get moved onto you or onto a plant that gets on your dog, then it gets on you. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So in the process, essentially what happens is that a tick has to be present on the skin for at least... 36 hours to transmit the infection. So if you can catch it quick, that's good. Your chances are better. Many people with Lyme disease have no memory of the tick bite at all. And interestingly enough, it was first recognized in the town of Old Lyme, Connecticut in 1975, which is fairly recent. It's the most common tick-borne illness in Europe and the United States. And people with Lyme disease all react to it very differently and the symptoms can vary in severity. So how doctors and researchers divide it um, is into three stages, early localized, early disseminated, and late disseminated symptoms, and they can overlap. Some people will also present in a later state of disease without having symptoms in earlier disease. So here are the common symptoms of Lyme disease. If you're wondering, you got a tick bite, here's what to look out for. Probably the biggest one is this one, which is a flat circular rash that looks like a red oval or bullseye anywhere on your body. And you can definitely vouch for that because I remember my dad got one bit by a tick and he had Lyme disease and it was this huge thing on his ankle. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to have that to have Lyme. And that's a common misconception as people will say, but I didn't have the bullseye rash. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You can still get Lyme. Exactly. Other symptoms are fatigue, joint pain and swelling, muscle aches, headache, fever, swollen uh, lymph nodes, and 
as we talked about earlier, Lyme disease, like anything else, is best treated in its early stages. And what will happen is most likely you'll talk to your doctor. They'll give you some oral antibiotics to try to eliminate the infection. If you continue to experience symptoms, it's considered post-Lyme disease syndrome or post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. And only about 10 to 20% of people with Lyme disease experience this syndrome. This is where it gets more severe, where it can affect your mobility and cognitive skills. And the treatment is really focused on easing pain and discomfort. So most people do recover, but it can take months or years. Yeah, it really can. And they're linking it more and more to neurological things as the years go on and the research goes on. And people that they thought had Alzheimer's, it they find out that, oh, you had Lyme disease years ago and now you're showing symptoms of, or the same effects of Alzheimer's. Yeah. Or I know. I re- there was this YouTuber that I was following and she got admitted to the hospital over last summer and she had this like weird back issue or something like that, like had to do all these like back spinal taps and things like that and they said that they chalked it up to be Lyme disease and she's like I have no history not history but just like no recognition of a tick bite but apparently something happens and yeah yeah scary stuff Mm -hmm. so now the history of the discovery of Lyme disease so Ticks and Lyme disease have been around for thousands of years, even though, like we said, it hasn't, it wasn't really put into practice until the 1970s. It has been around for thousands of years. And we know that because of a 2010 autopsy of Utsi the Iceman. We all know Utsi, right? You know Utsi? Of course, Utsi. <laughs> Utsi the Iceman. He's a 5,300-year-old frozen mummy found in the Eastern Alps in the 1990s. And they just found out that he had that bacteria. Wow, that's crazy. Right. And I was looking up on Otsi because I kind of forgot his story and I forgot. Do you remember how he died? Uh, Did ice kill him? Like something (laughs) fell on him or something? No. No. What happened? He had an arrow in his back. Somebody was hunting (gasps) Otsi. That's drama. It's so cinematic. Was he running? Was he a fugitive? Was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? We don't know. But anyway, he had Lyme disease. So about 130 years ago, a German physician described chronic skin rash and other similar symptoms of Lyme disease. They think now that was Lyme disease. They didn't, they didn't call it that, of course, at that point. But when we fast forward to the 1970s, this is where we get Lyme as we know it. So basically a group of children and a few adults in Lyme, Connecticut started suffering from all of these health issues with swollen knees, paralysis, skin rashes, headaches, and severe chronic fatigue. And people didn't, doctors didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. They were left undiagnosed and untreated for years in the 60s and 70s. It actually came down to two mothers from old Lyme, Connecticut. And they, like, at first, nobody believed them. There was one woman named Polly Murray, and she started noticing her kids and everybody around them having these symptoms. And she thought it was very strange. And 
even like the family dogs were having similar ailments. Doctors actually believed it was all in her head. Uh, she agreed to a psychiatric suggestion to obtain three weeks of inpatient inpatient treatment. Oh my God. Absolutely insane. Was oh not God. believed. Her two sons were diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, but all the other kids in the neighborhood also had were diagnosed with arthritis. And it's like, that's strange. You know, like yeah. if it's just one kid in the neighborhood, <laughs> that's okay. But mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them. Yeah, like um, kids should not really be having arthritis, especially when they all live in close proximity. It's weird. <laughs> right, right. So she and another mother reached out to the state health department in the Yale School of Medicine. Kind of at that time, a doctor was starting his fellowship of rheumatology and he was kind of tasked with, okay, just like go out there. I'll give you six months. Just see what this is about. Mm -hmm. And this doctor has said that, you know, he was told six months and it's been 45 years and they're still, he and other people are still working on this. Absolutely insane. That's wild. So they identified 39 children and 12 adults with unexplained rheumatoid arthritis. And they kind of had to narrow it down. You know, they, they found out that a lot of those kids had tick bites at some point they were playing. Mm -hmm. It was summer, you know, they were playing out in the woods. Good times were had through contact tracing. He was able to kind of figure out that it wasn't a person to person thing. So it wasn't like catching, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you just caught it. 25% of the patients remembered having a weird rash on them at one point during the summer. He actually learned from a Danish dermatology resident that a similar skin legion was showing up in Europe and they knew it was caused by ticks in Europe. So then he started to put things together like, oh, oh, oh. And he was talking to residents and people said that they didn't used to have ticks in the 1960s, but then in the seventies inundated, inundated with ticks. And they think it was due to the fact that lots of farmland was being converted back into forests and ticks, obviously, you know, they live in forests rather than mowed down or, you know, farm grasses. So they finally found that a researcher named Willie Bergdorfer, which you might recognize his name, Bergdorferi, is the bacteria. He was the one that found the bacteria that causes Lyme. So that was in 1981. We finally figured out the bacteria. And that's so recent. So, so recent. Super recent. Yeah, I actually didn't realize until we started researching this that Lyme disease comes from old Lyme, Connecticut. Like, what? I had no idea. Since then, the reports of Lyme disease have increased dramatically to the point that it's become an important health, like public health problem. As of 2012, so pretty dated at this point, I guess, uh, Lyme disease was included as one of the top 10 notifiable diseases by the CDC. And it's one of the fastest growing infections in the United States. It used to be primarily just an East Coast phenomenon. It has gone all across the country, like I said, except Hawaii. You'd like to think that things would be pretty good now. And I guess it is if you catch it soon enough, but there's still a lot that we don't know about Lyme disease. And a lot of the testing, if you get a blood test, it's kind of, isn't all, if you get a, a false negatives, I guess, happen 
fairly frequently. So we still don't know. We still don't have a cut and dry answer. We don't have a vaccine for it. It's not great. We're finding out actually that it's worse than we feared before (laughs) (laughs) with the symptoms. But yeah, that's the history of it. That's how we got to where we are now. Yeah. It's just so crazy to learn about it at this level and learn that it really is a new discovery. Like this isn't something that we've been dealing. I mean, theoretically, we've been dealing with it since Iceman, but we don't really know a lot about it. And and only time will tell in terms of what are the long-term effects, which is probably like the scariest part about Lyme disease Mm -hmm. is that we're discovering more and more how bad it is, (laughs) not just from the initial impact, but long-term. Yeah. And I know that there is a vaccine for dogs. I'm not sure how effective it is, but I want to know why haven't we adapted it to humans? What's Mm. the hold up? That's what I want to know because I am now fully scared every time I go outside. (laughs) Especially when you spend like 30 seconds and all you wanted to do was pet a dog. Right. Yeah. But again, the silver lining is that they can't really transfer it unless it's been on for 36 hours. So just check yourself, you know, just check right. yourself, do a body right. check. Exactly. Exactly. That's all you if you're, do. you're outside, make sure you check it out, especially if you're wearing pants and like sweaters, you just got to shake it off. Just do a you little eval. Tuck your pants into your socks, you know, mm-hmm. go the whole mile. Yep. Everything's good. Everything's okay. Exactly. Scary world out there. <laughs> Let's now dive into the conspiracy theories surrounding Lyme disease. Yeah, you wouldn't expect there to be conspiracy theories for this, would you? But there is. That's why we're covering it today. But first, let's go to the ads. And we're back. So like we said before, who would have thought that there would be conspiracy theories regarding Lyme disease? It's a disease, should be cut and dry. Mm -hmm. But there is a conspiracy theory going around online and here is what it is. Basically it comes on the premise that did the Pentagon use ticks as biological warfare? Hmm. Question mark, question mark. Allegedly. Allegedly. So we are in basically present day history right now. The House of Representatives added an unusual amendment in the 2020 U.S. defense budget. And this amendment was a requirement that the Department of Defense reveal details of any biological warfare research it did involving ticks during the Cold War. The requirement stems from allegations that Lyme disease was actually a bio-warfare experiment accidentally released into the wild. That's some big accusations. <laughs> Huge. Huge. This call for information comes from the publication of a book called Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons. And the major allegation in the book is that Willie Bergdorfer, which is the guy that discovered the bacteria, He claimed that the disease was a result of biological weapons program that went awry. So he himself was involved in biological warfare programs that involved using blood-sucking insects, including fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes, basically just as a means for infecting humans. 
So of course there's people who are going against this idea. And there are people that say that there's no evidence, scientific or otherwise, that would suggest that government had anything to do with Lyme disease. And basically there's a fort, Fort Detrick, Maryland and Plum Island, New York. They are both areas where the CDC maps note the disease is very prevalent. The facility on Plum Island, New York is just across Block Island Sound from Lyme, Connecticut. People believe that they were studying biological warfare, trying to put diseases in these ticks, and then whoopsie, they got on birds, and then the birds flew to Connecticut just over the sound and infected all these innocent people. Exactly. Which could it explain when the moms were complaining how this was a sudden increase in ticks in Old Lyme, Connecticut? I don't know. Maybe. Believe it or not, there is a tick act in Congress currently, which would create a holistic government strategy to fight Lyme disease and authorize $180 million to boost the funding for research, prevention, and treatment of the disease. This is a big deal, you know? And people are noting it as a big deal. And people are frustrated, especially people who are ill with the disease, are frustrated with, why don't we have results? And that's kind of where you get these ideas like, how did this even happen? Why did Mm -hmm. we have such a spike? Oh, look, coincidentally, there's a lab that studies insects and, you know, a government lab and it's adjacent to where this all started. Yeah. Is it true? Oh, so many questions. So few answers. And it really does have such a big impact. We know so little about this disease and it's so recent, yet it's been going on for so long. I think we're really just scratching the surface. So it's Interesting to note that even the government understands that this is something that we should take some time to look into. So again, as we've said before, only time will tell. Right. So let's talk about what people think who are against this idea, right? And they're not for this idea of this whole biological warfare. And we're specifically looking at the point of view from a professor His name is Sam Telford. He's also a scientist, and he's a professor of infectious disease and global health at Tufts University. So we were able to pull this information about his opinion, kind of him rebuttaling this whole conspiracy theory that was posted in the Washington Post. So Sam actually has a long history of researching this disease and tries to, again, just like rebuttal like the whole situation. So He started working in 1985 on this project, and as part of his doctoral thesis, he investigated whether museum specimens of ticks and mice contained evidence of infection with the bacterial agent of Lyme disease before the first known American human cases in the mid-1970s. So a little dated, but, um, you know, he's researching, he's trying to dive into it. So he was working alongside with a microbiologist named David Persing, and he found that ticks from the South Fork of Long Island collected in 1945 were infected. 
and subsequent studies found that mice from Cape Cod collected in 1896 were also infected. So this is decades before Lyme disease was even discovered, right, from these moms, and before military scientists could have altered or weaponized it. So the bacterium that we were talking about earlier that causes it was living in the wild, and it was present in these old ticks that they were researching. So one of the most important characteristics of biowarfare agent is the ability to quickly disable target soldiers. So he's like, okay, if you really think that this was used for warfare, let me, let's think about it and let's just agree to that. And, you know, true, you probably want something that's going to take out your enemy quickly. But the bacteria that causes Lyme disease um, is really not this category. As we mentioned earlier, it takes at least 36 hours. So that's a really long time to just try to wipe out your enemy. But not even that. Like, I could see if something completely wiped out your enemy in 36 hours. Like, that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's basically making everybody tired and achy. It's not like... Not saying that, not diminishing what Lyme disease does in the early stages, but right, it's not killing you within 36 hours. Exactly. It's just this flu-like illness that your immune system starts to fend off. And the disease is rarely lethal. So it's just a really slow or an effective bioweapon, essentially. Another point is there was no way the military could have manipulated it because they did not know what, quote, it was. Nobody knew what it was until 1981 when Willie Bergdorfer had created this discovery. So people knew of ticks, but people didn't have this notion of this bacteria. So if he discovered it in 1981, how were they supposed to use that discovery in the 70s? So eventually, Bergdorfer moved to the Rocky Mountain Laboratories in Montana, and that was an outpost of the U.S. Public Health Service and National Institutes of Health at the time and for the World Center for for Tick Research. And in his unique expertise, he was studying how the microbial agents were adapted to the internal tissues of their tick hosts, and he was using experimental infections and microscopy. Until Lyme disease came along, his reputation was as the world's first expert of the life cycle of the Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So it was really this fever that led him to discover the cause of Lyme disease. So he had been working on to better understand this fever on Long Island in New York. So he decides to do some research on it. He thinks he's on the brink of a new discovery. And he asks his colleague, George Banash at Stony Brook University for some deer ticks to test his the presence of this bacteria or the fever, I should say. And he just happened to have some from a nearby shelter island in New York that he sent along, which made me think of Shutter Island. And it just was like kind of weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So in testing of the blood of the deer ticks, Bergdorfer did not find the Rocky Mountain spotted fever. But you know what he did find? He did find Lyme disease. Yeah. The bacteria for Lyme disease. As we were talking about with the timeline, it just doesn't add up. Like, yes, he might have been in the area where all of these discoveries were being found, but 
it just was past the point of what these like mothers were talking about in the 70s and the spike and that long after Fort Terry on Plum Island was repurposed in 1954 by the agriculture department to study exotic animal diseases and then it was also in 1969 President Richard Nixon had outlawed biowarfare research so if the bacteria was manipulated it had to have been done after 1981 so the conspiracy theory, again, just doesn't work up. So it's like, okay, if literally it's illegal for them to do it, they, why would they continue to work on it? It just doesn't make sense near these the area. It's like I'm in New York and Connecticut. On top of that, as we were saying, like it was not only found in just in old Lyme, Connecticut, but also people were getting infected in 1978 in Northern California. So it was being sprinkled around everywhere. It's just people didn't know what it was necessarily. So one other argument that people say, well, like, oh, you know, Mertover kind of alluded to biowarfare and biodefense programs in his interviews towards the end of his life. But what he's saying is it should not be construed at all because he says, oh, I've met the guy several times and was always struck by his wry sense of humor. So he thinks that it's his guess that hints that there were any bigger story to what he did for the military was a prankster's way to toy with the interviewer. It's just like, was this all a joke? Was this like an inside joke that nobody knew about? Um, And so he's kind of just calling out the BS. He's like, nah, I kind of know the guy. And I just, I think the sarcasm, the humor was just like, felt real short. Yeah. Or Dorfer was just like, oh, government conspiracy. And everybody's like, oh, Bergdorfer, what are you doing? Exactly. And then, of course, they write it down. And so people are like, well, he said this. And it's like, well, you know, you kind of got to know the guy. Um, (laughs) So. And so in addition, limelight conditions were never studied at Plum Island, and there would be records if they were, as the work that takes place on the island is not classified. In addition, tick specimen from 1945 from the South Fork of Long Island were also found to contain the disease several years before the island facility opened in the 1950s. So essentially, long story short, timeline doesn't really add up location kind of can be explained but also it's just it was illegal they couldn't do this by the time it was <laughs> discovered right. so yeah um what are your thoughts Shannon like where's your tinfoil hat on this well for me I'm just going to take a second to be devil's advocate and say that if I was a conspiracy theorist that believed in this I would just say like of course of course, there's no records because they burned them. Of course, it's shown other places in the country. Like, that's fine. But the ones that attacked Old Lyme, Connecticut are the ones that were engineered. And yeah, Bergdorfer said it. So yeah. So I'm just like, I think that there are other explanations to things. And just because it was outlawed doesn't mean that it wasn't being done. Mm-hmm. But me personally... I think my tinfoil hat is on the shelf and I think, yeah, it's an unfortunate disease that's running rampant. And I don't think it's insane to think that I feel like ticks are very easy or any insect, I guess it's very easy to multiply. Mm -hmm. So once you, you know, once you have two, like forget about it, it's going to be all over the place. 
especially if their breeding ground is rampant. Right. So yeah, my my other counter to my counter is that <laughs> it, it these things can pop out of nowhere because they can just pop out of nowhere because insects multiply like right. crazy. Yeah. And once you're infected, you're like once the deer is infected, you're infected, and then right. any tick that goes on you, you know, it's yeah, it's hard to stop once it starts. So yeah, my tinfoil hat is on the shelf. How about you? Yeah, I think mine's definitely on the shelf. I don't even think I'm in the room. I think I would have maybe been a little closer to it if it wasn't for the guy's article. Like, yeah, I think he makes like some valid points. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really funny that the government has gotten involved in the sense that like they also heard rumors of this conspiracy theory. And they're like, well, let's let's figure this out because yeah. <laughs> I'd love an investigation. I'd love to know some details. Like, is this actually a thing that the government caused? I just think that's quite interesting. That's like the power of power of theories, I guess you could say. Yeah, I guess so. But all in all, I, I do think it was more of like a natural thing, but we just don't know so much about it. And it's weird. I really thought we did, but, you know, doing this episode, I realized we really don't. Oh, those are, that was another thing that people who believe in this theory say. It's like, why is it so hard to understand? Why are doctors still confused? Is it because the government doesn't want you to know and they don't want it to get traced back to them releasing ticks? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Leave it there. But yeah, it's so interesting. Like, who knew that ticks were, like, this controversial? I know. I know. Like, I, I knew I didn't like them, but man, oh, man. They're causing a ruckus. Yeah, I hope they get all of the funding that they need mm -hmm. and that research is being put into it and we can have a vaccine or a better way to treat it soon because a lot of people, a lot of people get affected by it and we want to be out in the outdoors. It's a beautiful place. Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to be afraid. Right. We'll be able to jump into a pile of leaves and not, you know, have to worry <laughs> We want children to jump into leaves. <laughs> yeah, we want children to be happy and not feel FOMO. That's exactly it. Yeah, so I'm on board with that. But that concludes today's episode. Again, happy Lyme Disease Awareness Month. You know, be sure to tell a loved one about this. We're just bringing awareness. Tuck your pants into your socks. Yep. Use insect repellent. Yep. Stay safe. Tick, tick checks. That's right. <laughs> Stay away from the dogs. No, I was gonna say stay away from the dogs, but no, you. The soul needs the dogs. The soul does need the dogs. Yeah, just also look out for your dogs. You know what I mean? It's tough too. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you have, if you have a black dog, forget about it. You know? Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know, don't look out for yourself. Look out for the others too in your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody, yes. communal tick checks. That's right. Household. That's right. So thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bear Roots Pod. And we'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Bye. Bye.